0: everyone, welcome to um, tonight's MHTV. Um, Slight um, change tonight um, that Nick is having um, tonight off and we've got Dave here um, covering the social media tonight and we're joined by our guests from Centre for Mental Health. But before I move on to our guests, I'll first pass you over to Dave who will say a little bit about social media if you're joining in for the first time.
1: Hi, everyone. Yeah, I'm Dave Monday. I'm here. I'm just doing two things at the moment. I've got one computer up here, which is the uh, Zoom that I'm talking on. And then the other computer down here, which is the production computer. uh, And I'm checking that when I talk, It's got a line going up and down, it has, so it should be working fine. Uh, Nikki should be on tonight, but she's had horrendous problems with her Wi-Fi today. uh, And we didn't want to have it where the conversation was spoiled by a keep dropping in and out. Uh, So that's why we've changed around roles tonight. Uh, In terms of social media, same rules as always. Obviously, you'd be watching us on our Facebook Live channel. Uh, So if you've got any comments or any questions or you want to get involved in the debate or discussion, just pop your message into Facebook Live. Uh, We also want to see your comments on Twitter as well. And obviously, so we can see them, all you need to do is include the hashtag MHTV, and even though Nikki isn't involved in the conversation here tonight, she's going to be in the conversation up there in the cloud. So uh, do do uh, have a chat with her there as well. So back over to you, uh, Vanessa.
2: Lovely.
0: Thank you for that. And, um, and we'll go straight over to Liz, I think. Liz, if, could you just um, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your involvement in the um, Year in Our Lives project that we're going to talk about tonight? Thanks,
2: Vanessa. Yes, I'm Liz May Morrison. <coughs> and um i've been working with center for mental health on year out of our life year of our lives 2020 since the start of the project really um as an advisor but also um writing my own piece and getting involved um with looking at how the whole project would be set up um so yeah that's my role
0: brilliant thank you and thea should we go over to you just for an introduction first of all
3: Sure, so I'm Alathea or Thea. Um, and I work for Centre for Mental Health. I'm the digital and comms lead, and I've sort of been um heading up the project uh with a lot of help from Liz and our other expert advisors. Um so yeah, we're just excited to be here tonight.
0: Yeah, thank you very much for joining us. I'm dying to know a little bit more about a year in our lives.
3: So tell us what's that all about? What have you been doing? Okay, yeah. So um I guess it it sort of goes without saying that this has been a year like no other, unprecedented, all all of these sort of cliches. Um, But I guess we know that the pandemic's really rocked people's mental health and sense of well-being and people adjusting to a lot of change. Um, And as a bit of context, some of you might know um, that back in like 2014, 2015, Mark Brown um, did a piece of work called A Day in the Life yeah um, that that. Asking, yeah that was asking people uh with mental health problems to write about their day over like a span of mm. months. and we at centre for mental health we did the um evaluation for that we did like a thematic analysis um and it was really interesting throughout to those topics um and so when the pandemic hit I think we really wanted to just sort of create a space where people could talk about uh, their experience of the pandemic and how it had affected their mental health um to sort of tell their story and, and to and in doing so to create like a collective shared story of 2020 um yeah. and we wanted to capture those sort of everyday experiences um mm. that might seem boring to the person themselves even but like mark, mark brown said in one of our videos you know those little everyday things are um the way that we actually tell history and the way that um we we share what it was actually like and there's there's yeah. an element where we are living through history and so we want to capture that. Mm. Um, so and we want anyone to get involved. It's not just people with a mental health problem, it's it's anyone um because obviously we're all experiencing it. Um so, yeah, so we've been inv- inviting people to write about their experiences, uh, how the pandemic affected them, and then we're sharing it on our website and social media. Um, and then once the uh, we close for submissions, our researchers will be doing a thematic analysis on it, drawing yeah. out some sort of narrative around it, but also um, drawing out kind of what's helped people so that we can say this is really what helped yeah. people through such a difficult year. Yeah. But, yeah, so it's... really it's,
0: sorry for interrupting yeah when did it start when did you start um we
3: started back in about June time
0: right.
3: uh, yeah so and we've had some amazing responses so far like I mean one of the ones we published today from Liz who we will who we will hear more from mm-hmm. but um yeah just people you know people saying I've been sober for years and the pandemic has um really challenged the ability to my ability to stay sober mm-hmm. um you know people who were having support for mental health problem and suddenly that support dramatically shifted to being online or stopped. Um, you know, university students who really struggled or have just had such a weird thing to adapt to. Um, but also what's interesting is that there have been positives, you know, people saying helping other people through the pandemic has really helped my mental health. And then other people kind of just saying, actually, um lockdown is my life and always has been like people who've yeah, yeah. for years mm. and suddenly people around them kind of empathize a bit more because we're all a bit more isolated um mm. so yeah, that's a bit that's a bit about the project
0: yeah that's great so is it all ages that can join in you yeah all ages yeah. um
3: we have had um young people right through to kind of people in their 70s 80s so far um so yeah yeah Sounds brilliant. And how do people, if people want to join in who are watching tonight, what do they need to do? So I think we'll be sharing the link, hopefully. It's um it's on our website, A Year in Our Lives, it's Center for Mental Health website and it's called A Year in Our Lives. And um essentially people can can write um, they can do poetry, they can do prose, they can write whatever they want, writing bullet points if you want to. Um yeah. Uh, and yeah, then we'll be analysing it.
0: Mm. I love as well that it's kind of open to everyone. That you've not kind of focused on people narrowly with mental health difficulties because the pandemic is going to affect all of us in terms of all our mental health in one way or another. Of course, you know some people more than others, but it's, it seems a great decision to kind of look at everybody yeah. across the spectrum.
3: Yeah.
0: So yeah, um, and Liz, how, how have you found how have you found it?
2: I have had um, quite a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if the pandemic hadn't been happening, it would have been a fairly rocky year, so combining it all with the pandemic, um, my family are all in Australia, or my um, most of my family are in Australia, and my uncle um, died from cancer. Um, so it probably came back about the same time as the p- uh, pandemic began, he was dead within about a month, so that was pretty intense, and I was very close to him, um, so I write about that and the zoom funeral which was just awful and actually a lot of people have written about zoom funerals um, and how hard it is um to be separated and not to be there and um my father has been very ill in Australia as well and normally I would be going back and we've been thinking of going for this Christmas and now of course I don't know when I'll be able to go Mm. um I was furloughed on day one of furlough and at the same time was told my job was at risk of redundancy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it was pretty difficult um, mm-hmm. going into it. I then maybe had COVID, um, the COVID clinics that I had suspected COVID, but um, so I was sick um, and that was obviously stressful, but it was quite frightening because it was near the beginning and you didn't really know what was going to happen next. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot of different things that sort of added up. Um, I didn't write about it. My dog also had a stroke the first weekend of lockdown. <laughs> um, and he's our baby. So, um, so yeah, there were just a load of things that just kept mm-hmm. coming at me all at once. And even if it wasn't for a, a pandemic, if I hadn't been isolated, if I hadn't been away from family, it would have been a tough year. But yeah. um, with everything together... It really did get quite tough at times. Um, My mental health support was all over the phone. My usual psychiatrist was redeployed to work in a home treatment team, I think. So I had a chat with someone I'd never met (laughs) um, over the phone phone as well. And again, that's something we've seen a lot of people writing about. um, Yeah. Either their regular support or their face-to-face support. And it's not the same.
0: No, well, even yeah, that's yeah. to people who've seen um, practitioners, you know, who've obviously been sat at the other side of the room in a mask or, um, you know, protective gear. And, you know, in terms of being able to talk to somebody properly in that context and, you know, see someone's facial expressions and things, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? At the best of times, never mind if you're feeling unwell as well on top of that.
2: Yeah, I think it's one of the things I mentioned when I was at the COVID clinic and I was looking at their eyes because yeah. that's what you could see of these people was their eyes. So you were looking for reassurance. Um, yeah. and, and it's something I found really weird, which I didn't say, wearing masks, which I don't particularly mind, and I am I make masks by the dozen now <laughs> um, for something to do. But um, you smile, but nobody sees you smiling. Mm, that's and right. So, that's right. so, you know, your instinct is to smile at someone as you pass them. Or, yeah. And then you think, well, they don't know I'm smiling at them. And I think that's one of the big losses. Um, a lot of people have written about the loss of human connection and touch. Yeah. Um, a lot of people have written about touch. But for me, I think a lot of it is actually um, just seeing someone smile um, yeah. as well as a touch. Or, or just the little hellos, the banter. Um, The little things um, that are a big loss, and I think for our mental health, um, a lot of people saying that's had a big impact on
0: them. What kind of of positive things have come out of it, if any?
2: Well, I think a lot of people have found a resilience they didn't know they had, and certainly for me, that was something that I probably didn't realize until I was writing it, Um, and I found writing very difficult to actually get going and to do it, but then very positive. Um, And I'm a writer, so my piece should actually have been a lot better than it was. But Mm -hmm. I just wanted to get it out and to say it. And I think that's one of the really important things to say about this project. It's not about finesse. It's about getting it out and saying it. And actually, the process of doing that was really positive for me because I thought, well, actually, I'm still here. I'm still going. I have, there are positives. I think a lot of people have found making connections electronically a Mm -hmm. really big thing. Um, I know for our family, um, we live, half of us are in the UK and half in Australia, and um, we're not very good at keeping up with each other and have probably all been in the same room twice in the last 20 years. Mm. Um, So now we have family zines. And that's a huge thing, um, because we're coming together, we're WhatsApping in a way we never did before. Yes, that's Um, been really
0: positive. Yeah, that's great.
2: And I think there's a few people have mentioned that with work teams as well, that they're now getting support from their work teams. Certainly, it's something that for me has been fantastic, is um, coming together on WhatsApp, having a joke, um, and people saying they're getting a lot of personal support from colleagues, which they may not have expected
0: yeah so that's good. Anything
3: Thea that you want to add to that, that
0: is
3: oh, I think, yeah, just to say, um yeah, firstly as as Liz said, it really isn't about um how well you write you know this is this is yes. a writing project, but and we love you know people, reading people's stories, yeah. but it's not about kind of does this sound amazing? It's just telling your story and mm-hmm. and it's that, like only you can tell your story um, so yeah, yeah just encouraging people to get involved and um yeah I think the other thing to say is we we can testify ourselves both of us and and lots of our organization and and people who are involved in day in the life and all of that the the value of writing about your experience and and maybe it sounds weird to some people but actually there's something often really cathartic about it and very therapeutic and it helps you sometimes to come to terms with stuff and so I think I'm really excited about this project because I see it as not only something that's really interesting for us to read about and to learn from but also just for the people writing to, as a as a reflective process yeah and like you say
0: interesting now for people to get involved in you know therapeutically and in terms of catharsis but also interesting as a social document for us to look back on historically and and understand kind of what the experience was like for people well for all of us basically so yeah it sounds amazing I
2: think it's going to yeah. be really important as a social document actually just mm-hmm. having people um, contemporaneous reports yeah. um, as opposed to looking back um, although I guess anybody who's writing now is looking back to a degree but we're also looking forward you know we don't know what yes. we are still living in the here and now it does keep changing um, mm-hmm. so it's a, it's a fascinating to read people's accounts it's absolutely fascinating Yeah, I bet it is.
0: And um, Dave, anything from social media or questions from yourself at this point?
1: Not from social media yet, but that's that's kind of standard for a, an episode. Yeah. Into an they, they usually start sort of rolling in as we get towards the end, which is uh, always a little bit frustrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think just in terms of listening to you, you speak, I, I, I think you know there's, there's there is that bit of about how writing can help. But have you kind of had anyone that's found it's been an unpleasant experience, kind of writing about it, and and does that kind of influence the, the content that they've provided and, and kind of any comments after that they wish they hadn't been invo- involved in it, for example?
3: I've got to say I don't know in that we've got limited interaction with the people writing. Um, I think we've maybe had one where I think some, someone did find it, um, they were getting frustrated with IT issues at their end and I think they, they, they kind of voiced that frustration in their, in their piece. Um, but no, I think on the whole... I think I have to, from, from what I've seen so far on the whole, I think it does seem to be quite a positive experience for people. I'm, I'm honestly not just saying that, but um, that people kind of are coming to the end of their piece with sort of a hopeful note. And actually, I'd say that there's quite a lot of them. They do end quite hopefully, even though some of the content has sometimes been quite bleak. Um, yeah. I think there's something about writing that kind of makes you, again, as I say, like reflect and then go,
2: maybe things are going to be different, you know, yeah. Yeah, I think that's very true. That people mm-hmm. are coming to it, um, and we've had some which are just one sentence, and someone's yeah. just said the one thing they want to say, and that's absolutely fine as well. Um, but I think um, there are some commonalities with people. Sort of, I think writing about these awful things that have happened, and there's awful experiences they've been through, and maybe. Um, Having recurrences of their mental health problems, um, taking up self-harm again, even though they don't want to, drinking again, even though they don't want to, or having to fight with an eating disorder, but then at the end, finding that resilience, and it's certainly something I was surprised by when I found myself writing that ending part, Um, because I I sort of thought halfway through, this is all a bit gloomy, Um, and thought, well, what are the upsides? And I said, oh, I made banana bread, (laughs) Um, didn't we all? And I did these things. But then I found it was more than just those little things. It was actually finding something in me Mm. that survived the pandemic. And I think that that's been common to a lot of people, um, Mm. finding that strength. And maybe writing, maybe it takes writing it down. It takes reflecting, and it takes looking back on it to find that there are some positives in it all.
1: I think the other thing that that went through my mind as you've been talking is is kind of the bit about it'd be fascinating, really, would not it? On, on it depends on which day of the the year that you wrote it could influence so dramatically about the the kind of the the output that you would give. And and I'd, I've not had the chance to read yours completely, Liz, but I, I did notice that you kind of made a comment about the eat out to help out scheme, and that that made me think about you know summer when the weather was nice you know it felt like you were getting little bits of normality back you know mm-hmm. whereas it, you know my family that the, i've got my partner and, and three children we kind of not really done anything normal it felt for three or four months and then we just started to do those little things and it felt so glorious that you had those those opportunities and then obviously then going back into lockdown and kind yeah. of feeling like well you know When will that happen again? Mm -hmm. I I think the other thing that that kind of rings in my head with that as well is the kind of the announcements over the last few days of uh, vaccination, you know, the trials and and how successful they, they currently are. And it made me laugh kind of seeing some people say, you know, don't get too excited because, you know, we're only at stage three and we need a little bit more work and, you know, we're not sure yet. And I just wanted to kind of, like, phone them up and say, just shut up, just let me be excited for a few mm-hmm. days because I need this, I need this excitement. Mm. And and I think, you know, it would be that bit, wouldn't it, about how you could be so different, even in yourself, how you write these different pieces. So I suppose, is there any kind of encouragement to do more than one, to kind of maybe, you know, okay. reflect on, you know, either a, a, a positive piece that you wrote or a negative piece and come back to it? yeah.
3: I think I can I can totally see the value in that I think our decision at the beginning was we really want it to be one piece per person simply because when our researchers do do their analysis obviously it could be really skewed if you've got one person that wrote five pieces and one person that wrote one and so we wanted to get that kind of breadth of a snapshot um, across society but i think at the the same time whilst whilst it doesn't allow people to do that there is some value in the fact that this project has been running since june um initially we were going to close in in january and i think now we're probably looking more at march because obviously you know, I think there's probably a bit of naivety that that 2021 would sort of signal something new, and, and it's very clear that January the first is not going to be the end of the pandemic. So, you know, there's there's a there's a beauty in that. Some people who wrote say back in June will have a very different story potentially to tell to those writing in January 21. Um, and so, yeah, I think something that the researchers will be looking at is studying those differences in differences mm-hmm. in themes across time. Um, so that that should be really
0: interesting. And obviously the seasonal variation, as Dave kind of alluded to, because what, you know, people's experience of dealing with isolation in June, when you can still kind of go outside compared to people writing in January when it's freezing cold and dark and, you know, stuck inside, um will be very different, presumably, assuming that we're still in lockdown, of course. Who knows?
2: Yeah, so that's
0: completely cold isn't it? And have you, um, because obviously Centre for Mental Health do great work around um, inequality and and raising issues, so um, I'm assuming that's kind of an angle that you'll be looking at in terms of the analysis. Has there been quite a mixed demographic, you know, the people who've actually got involved, have you found that, or um, have you found that, um, you know, I guess perhaps a more privileged end of the spectrum, people who are more confident in writing, which goes back to our early point, have been more likely to participate? And and I guess, you know, what's the ethnicity mix and and so on? I know you haven't analysed it yet, but you're starting to get a sense of, um, you know, whether it is quite a a representative demographic or whether it's particular people who are participating at the moment.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of demographics, we... We don't, obviously, it's not, we wouldn't capture any sort of class or safety or economic demographic, which is a shame. But again, as you say, there's potential that this does lean towards people who feel more confident to get a writing project and everything done. But um, in terms of age, as I mentioned, it has been very broadly across the board, which has been great. And we are really keen to get more students, also more um, school children involved. Yeah, because we just think this would be such a useful exercise for kids in the classroom, yeah. trying to make sense of this, but also practicing the writing. So we're really keen to do that. Um in terms of ethnicity, from what we can see so far, it has been quite white, and that's something we're really trying to um, address by yeah. trying to specifically into specific communities. Um so yeah, I'm really trying to maximize that because we want this to be representative. Um yeah. and- from everyone Um, so
0: yeah we're engaging um with different groups so yeah yeah it's great i think um i mean you'll you'll just from the sort of qualitative analysis you'll see some of the kind of themes around you know um the different coping strategies and aspects of inequality around whether people have got access to you know gardens or you know whether people live in urban environments poverty and same with schools really you know children who are at independent schools, um, you know, having very different issues, you know, to children. like I, I know, for example, lots of independent schools have done a lot of classes online on Zoom and a lot of comprehensive schools have taken the decision not to do that because a lot of people don't have access to um, technology. Um, so, yeah, loads of different issues, really. It's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Something
1: so, else I wanted to ask was... Yeah, uh, sure. I, I, I had uh, you know earlier this year when uh, we were kind of in in the midst of, of the first wave, uh, I went back and, and worked on uh, a, a medical ward as you know because I'm, I'm a nurse, uh, and I did a few shifts and and very quickly managed to catch COVID, uh, mm-hmm. and then obviously ended up in hospital myself with it. I suppose kind of at that point I, w- I was I was really kind of reflective and really interested in and in kind of you know capturing some of the thoughts that I was having at the time uh, and i suppose one of the things that i that went through in my mind then was that bit about you know the, the the kindness of of strangers and how much you know people are, are, are willing to help someone that that they've never met before yeah. uh, i think you know then kind of recovering from covid then getting back to work i didn't write anything down uh, and i'm now kind of like four or five months later so i suppose have you got any tips on how to kind of rekindle those thoughts to bring them out and to get them and to sort of commit them to paper Uh, so you know to 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 kind of contribute to this or or would you kind of say that moment's gone and and the the thoughts are lost for me
2: oh the thoughts aren't lost the thoughts Mm -hmm. aren't lost Um, i work a lot in dementia and one of the ways people remember is their emotional memory can be much stronger than the factual memory. Mm -hmm. So some of it would be thinking about how you felt um, and thinking how you felt, maybe what something smelled like or not smell like, what was it like to not taste your food? What was it like to um, not get a hug? Um, What was it like, or what was the first hug that you got like? Yeah. Um, So remembering some of those emotional and um, I guess the senses Um, Did you smell something or did you not smell it? Um, Remembering things like maybe the colors of spring. Um, I mean, one thing that's very real for me is the tree outside my window where I work um, uh, in the garden. And I look out at that and it went from no leaves to green shoots of hope, (laughs) such as they were at the time, all the way around to now there's a few last tenacious golden leaves. Um, But looking at those sorts of cycles, there's things that were there for you at different times, whether it was a blossom coming out or the sunshine and sitting in a garden or a park, or whether it was um, queuing at a shop, Um, lest we all forget the queuing at the shops, the um, endless hunt for toilet paper, which is back on in Australia now, Um, you know, there's those things of There was somebody who wrote um, that they couldn't get an online shop and they were sick, so they were eating four-year-old tins of pilchards and they'd never been so tasty. And um, those little moments like that, just sometimes thinking back to one of those things that may seem totally obscure, mm-hmm. but actually tells you so much that people were actually going into their cupboards and finding the old tins that have sat there for so long and appreciating them yeah um so there's just thinking back to little moments rather than trying to get everything mm. just thinking back to those little things and and nobody will get everything in 2000 words it's about 2000 words that you can write right um and that's a lot you know, isn't it? it's a lot and it's not yeah yeah. Yeah, um, yeah yeah it's a huge amount and it's not much at all mm. because you can't fit a whole year into 2000 words very mm. easily but what you can fit are snapshots and moments and feelings and what mattered. Um,
3: So you don't have to write 2,000
2: words. No, No, you can write, you know, a lot of people, not a lot, but a few people have written one sentence. Some people have sent in a poem. Some people have um, just written, we haven't had anybody write bullet points yet, but I think if you can't um, get started, then bullet points are a fantastic Mm -hmm. way to get started.
0: Oh, so, um, so people, just to just to be one hundred percent clear in my head, mm-hmm. people are writing about a snapshot of their life this year. So they're not focusing like on like a particular day, like obviously, the day in the life project, but they're focusing on their experiences during the pandemic.
3: Um, yeah, and
2: some people will focus very broadly and just say, yeah. I've had a lot of anxiety, my panic attacks are back, and that might be what they say, And other people will go, um into a much more of a narrative approach um, yeah. so some people look at one thing and maybe look at their mental health or mental health services other people will look at um you know I guess everybody has a skew to um what has been the biggest impact for them
3: yeah absolutely mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. if people want to write about one specific day that's also that's also great yeah. because it's that will be picked up because we'll be able to see the date that they wrote that and kind of what was going on there, and that will um, have some context. But yeah, it's it's, it's broad. <laughs> it, is, it is a broad ask. It's it's kind of a blank canvas to some degree. Mm,
0: it'd be really good to see it being kind of connected into the mental health agenda afterwards, wouldn't it? Because I think that's the thing. The sort of mental health pandemic is sort of happening now and into the future. Like you know, you mentioned about the COVID funerals. You know, people's bereavements that are going to be, you know, completely different to, to what they would be normally, given that, you know, relatives haven't had a chance to say goodbye to each other or, you know, saying goodbye to each other over FaceTime and, you know, not seeing relatives <laughs> for months. So I think, you know, those things we'll only see, um, you know, how people are kind of coping and dealing with those things further down the line. And I think as well, don't you, it's that, that there's a sense of fight or flight about this, that we're all coping with it. While it's happening, and when it's over, will that be when we'll all go, Oh, God, thank God for that? But that's kind
2: of when everyone will be exhausted and it'll hit people. I so. think it'll be interesting as well to see the um, second and probably I think the third lockdown and the impact that that has on people and how that's different with how people cope. I mean, I write quite a lot about my fear around the second lockdown of the gym shutting. Um, And we've been very fortunate in Northern Ireland, and I know some parts of England are the same, where for people's mental health um, and physical health, but one of the big factors here was mental health. They kept gyms open, but they stopped classes. And for me, that meant a real loss of human interaction because Mm -hmm. it's quite different to go and just work out than it is to go and do a class with other people and um, have the crack, as we would say. Mm -hmm. Um, So... I think seeing what the impacts are for people's mental health where where it's been taken into account um, and where it hasn't been taken into account already in the changes that have been made. I mean, I know they have tried to um, not just cut off funerals completely this time around, mm-hmm. like they did at the beginning. I think some lessons oh. have been learned already on the impact on mental health, but whether they will continue to be learned um, whether people will continue to get more um, consideration and support yeah. um, remains to be seen. And I, I hope that this might be a way of actually being able to demonstrate what mattered to people and what affected their mental health mm. afterwards. Um, and that's why I think it's so important. I think it's important in lots of ways, but especially in and people who've never had a mental health problem, you know, wanting people... You don't have mental health problems to come in because it affects all of our emotional well-being. Mm. Um everybody's well-being is affected by this. And I think there was somebody who wrote very movingly that COVID wasn't there's no health without mental health for that great World Health Organization saying. And they were saying, what's the point of us staying physically healthy if we're not yeah. mentally healthy? Yeah. Um, and it was quite a moving piece. And I thought, yeah it does have to be remembered that this is also a mental health pandemic really
0: uh, that's the thing for me really because you hear a lot of people say "Oh, I can't go and visit my relative because obviously it's so physically risky and you think ah, I totally understand that but at the same time that relative who's not seen anybody for months actually that's really risky as well because you know from a mental health point of view you know the links of you know suicide and you know as we've talked about addictions of mental health problems, they can be as fatal as, um, you know, COVID can. So it's, um, it's difficult. I don't really feel that there has been parity. I don't know how, what you think, but from my point of view, I feel like the focus has definitely been on the sort of physical impact of COVID and there hasn't been enough um, talked about, apart from people within the mental health community, about actually this is a mental health pandemic as well and we need to think about how we support, People who are, you know, who are isolated, rather than thinking about how we keep people away from each other because of the physical risk. Yeah,
2: I think there's going to be a real shock when they realise that it's not just on paper that there's going to be huge demand on mental health services. I mean, Centre for Mental Health has written some um, reports showing what the need is going to be, and Thea could speak to them better than me, but um, it really is going to be quite stark. I think, mm. and if um, things are put in place now to support people with their mental health, mm. then I really do wonder where we're going to be when we come out of it. Um, yeah. We can't vaccinate for people's mental health. No, exactly. Yeah.
3: Yeah, because I think you know our current forecast, which is you know based on our analysis and also work with NHS Trusts, is possibly um, up to 10 million people struggling with their mental health as a result of the pandemic. And I mean, it, it's it's really scary and it's really shocking. And I think you're right. We understand totally why there has been a focus on the on the physical aspect yeah. of the yeah. physical health pandemic, but the mental health um, implications could mm. be absolutely huge and, and, and are likely to be huge. And we're seeing it already now, really. We're seeing the stories already coming out, the impact of unemployment, the impact mm-hmm. of families being separated, of isolation, of of struggling to access services. And um, yeah, we I mean it goes without saying we need the government to act. Act, mm. you know, take concerted action because um, yeah, it is possible to to stem some of that tide if we if we do act. But um, yeah, it's it's deeply worrying.
0: Yeah. Have you had um have you had any um contributions from um you know mental health workers, people working in mental health? It's quite interesting to capture, wouldn't it?
3: Yes, I think we have. I mean Liz can confirm this as well, but I'm I'm fairly sure I've read at least one that said specifically, I work in a mental health service and
2: yeah. um and, and also someone working in a care home. Yes, the care um, home yeah. one was very moving. Yeah. Uh, oh. Yeah. Oh. I would be very interested to see more people working in the mental health um, coming through because I think the strains on frontline workers um, in the mental health sector Mm -hmm. are just as great as those in the physical health sector. And, you know, they're still at risk of COVID themselves. There's still all of the factors that are there for other people. And yet the burden is so great. And their workload just is ever expanding, and they're much less able to help because they can't see people face-to-face. Um, I know for my key worker, it's quite frustrating at times that she feels like she's on the phone as well, um, yeah. and she can't assess how somebody really is as mm-hmm. well as she could face-to-face. Yeah. Um, okay. And I think we forget that um, people who work in mental health have mental health, and um, mm-hmm. And it's how to keep them safe as well, how
0: to support them. Yeah. Well, that's something we can help promote as well through, you know, our channels through, you know, Unite and We Mental Health Nurses and and stuff to try and kind of encourage people. Um, And obviously people listening tonight, if you work in mental health, then, you know, do submit a story. I think you're right. We should be capturing um, the experiences. And I you know, it's great to get all frontline workers involved, isn't it, and tell their stories. But I must admit, I've heard a lot more stories about nurses who work on acute wards and doctors than I have heard about people who work in mental health. So it would be really good, wouldn't it, to get those stories included as well.
2: And yet, one of the first stories about a nurse who died was a mental health nurse.
0: Yeah, well, I know a mental health nurse who's died of it as well, and in fact, I know two mental health nurses who've who've died of COVID-related deaths in the last year. So that's just two that I know personally. So, you know, you know, people have lost their lives, and we need to remember that, don't we? And it's, yeah, I I haven't heard much sort of publicly talked about in terms of mental health nurses and and the risks. So, yeah. We have. I,
1: I just wanted to feed in part of this uh, tweet has been answered, uh, and it was something I was going to ask as well. So I, I think it's obviously on on preying on lots of people's minds. But uh, just just to read it because it's also a comment about what a great uh, uh, you know project it is. It's a lovely idea, and storytelling writing is powerful. Mm-hmm. How could people who cannot write or have access to technology, Wi Fi? Uh, so that would be Nikki tonight, be included in this project so their voice can be heard. And was there any representation from healthcare professionals working on the front line? So obviously we've answered the second one. But uh, that sort of first one about uh, how can people who can't write or have access to the technology be involved?
2: Yeah,
3: that was a question I was going to ask as well yeah sure so um because yeah some other people have, have asked we've thought about this from an accessibility point of view i mean obviously if there were any issues with people writing just in terms of not wanting to not being able or not wanting to write it down we have said to contact us there's an there's an email address on that web page um yeah. to contact us because obviously we could take um audio submissions we haven't ask for audio submissions because obviously if we got a lot that would take an awful lot of time to transcribe but certainly if that's an accessibility issue we could do that if it's a case of um wi-fi we um again well i was going to say email us but you can give us a call um and and um if you want to handwrite it if that's the way that you can sub- the only way you can submit then we would be perfectly happy to um to receive it in that way we want to make it as accessible as possible yeah, that's great
0: Brilliant. Anything
1: else, Dave? I've just gone over to the uh, Facebook page and there's been quite a few comments there, so I'm just reading them. So carry on chatting while I try and work out what the questions are.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's so much, isn't there, within this? I mean, it really is, you know, like um, a brilliant project. and I wish kind of we'd had just captured something just around Mm. mental health. Nurses, I know. Like personally, I thought to myself, I really wished that I'd kept a journal, you know, during lockdown. Um, And as this lockdown started, I thought, right, I'll, I'll do it this time. And I haven't. So you know, the fact that it's gold dust, really, isn't it, that you've managed to capture people's stories.
3: Yeah. And I think it's an encouragement. It's really encouraging what Liz said about kind of like the, those thoughts and those memories aren't lost. And actually, as she was speaking, I was then actually thinking back to my own lockdown and those sort of the senses that I associate with it. And I think it's it's encouraging to think, well, we didn't write about it then. But the fact is, if you write about it now, you've got more to think about. And so, um, you know, at whatever pe- t- at whatever period people write, there will be a lot of experience they can reflect on. And so that's not lost if you haven't written it already. Um, And that's, I think that's really nice. Yeah. It was one of the
2: things that was quite hard for me because I started writing right at the beginning (laughs) and then everything just kept changing. Everything kept changing and kept changing. And the moods keep
3: changing as well, don't they?
2: That's when I decided I just had to write it, not edit it properly, not spend a lot of time on it because everything would have changed again by the time that I actually spent any more time on it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think um, it is going to be really interesting to see. I mean, if I'd written it in two weeks, then it could have been quite different because either lockdown here in Northern Ireland might lift or it might not. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I don't know what's going to happen. And in the end, you have to sort of stop second guessing what happens next and just take the plunge. Mm -hmm. Um, But it, is something that I think when you do do it, you you do take that step back. You do reflect a little bit on the whole experience. And it's something that I would not have done otherwise.
0: I think I agree with Dave um, about kind of the experience of like the first lockdown, but then the sense of kind of, being able to go out again a little bit and, you know, go to a cafe again, which seemed absolutely amazing. Um, And now, you know, in winter, kind of being locked away again, I think that we'll probably, um, the stories will probably capture very different views, won't they, in terms of whether it was during first lockdown, second, and probably different again in the new year, depending on what happens then as well. So that would be really interesting.
2: And with the fatigue of it all, whether, you know, at the beginning we had that real blitz spirit, um, as people kept saying. Um, I think if I heard blitz spirit one more time, it was like the new normal I was going to scream. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that will we have that or will we just have fatigue? You know, it's not a beautiful summer. That beautiful spring summer that we had at the beginning isn't there. It's going to be dark. It's going to be cold. It's going to be wet. We're not going to want to be going and wandering in the park and smelling the flowers yeah. um, or sitting in our gardens and listening to the birds. It's just going yeah. to be a lot tougher. Mm-hmm. And we've had, you know, seven, eight months of it. We're bored. We're tired. We're sick of it. We've done the banana bread. We've mm-hmm. run out of Netflix. <laughs> what happens next? Um, yeah. <laughs> thank goodness the crown's back on. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's probably going to play a bigger role in people's lives than they ever anticipated.
1: Um, I, I think one of the things that I'm thinking about a bit at the moment as well, and I, I don't know how this will influence the project or not, is that issue about Christmas and, uh, you know, what will happen with Christmas next. Uh, and I think uh, your boss, the uh, uh, Sarah Hughes, shared a tweet uh, that maybe today, uh, you know, kind of, highlighting that, you know, the the, the Christmas that the politicians are, are kind of trying to defend is not everyone's Christmas. You know, actually, yeah. and, and it goes back to a comment I think, Liz, you made at the start about, you know, lockdown is some people's lives and it has been for, for many years kind of thing. So, you know, actually, you know, saving Christmas to some people is, is a complete irrelevance. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the thing that, that keeps running through my head is this bit about how much are we going to be willing to kind of sacrifice uh, progress on, you know, keeping COVID in check for a few days of, of celebration? And did we do the same kind of thing for uh, Diwali? Did we do the same kind of thing for Eid? And obviously, we, we didn't. And 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 just, you know, that's that's really kind of run through my head about. What, how, how sad that is that, that I feel that we, you know, there was no kind of national outcry that that wasn't that was that wasn't done. But when we come mm-hmm. to Christmas, will we, we face it? So maybe yeah. not, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that's reflected. I have had the chance to read a few of the the questions that have come in. Uh, Alan Simpson has been quite busy. So thank you, Alan. Uh, he's put a link on the uh, Facebook feed uh, with a paper, unsurprisingly, from the mental health uh, it's So obviously some self self-publication here. Uh, and that's about the impact on mental health care and mental health service users of COVID. And, and we did a session a few weeks ago uh, on, on that that stuff. Uh, but he also asked a question, and I'm not sure if you answered this early on, but if not, it might be helpful to repeat it. Uh, and it was. Is the idea just to provide a space for people's writing, or is it to also analyse the text? And if it's the latter, do people have to consent to that?
3: Uh so yes, it's for them to provide it. It's it's both. It's for them to have a space to write. And then part of their consenting to be part of the project is that we will analyze their data. And obviously that would be um completely anonymous. Um, but yes, part of it will be will be us doing the analysis. Does that answer the question?
1: Yep, perfect. I'm not going to give him the chance to say anything else, but yeah, that that's great
0: yeah anything else or is that does that capture
1: it I think that's the ones that have come in so far and I, I've kind of as always shocked by how late it is it's already a 1947 <laughs> we're already running over so yeah <laughs> so <laughs> It always kind of comes to this point where we have to think about sort of last comments and I suppose Thea for you uh, is there anything that you need to plug Centre for Mental Health wise in terms of of this uh, project but would it be fair Vanessa that we we say if you want to plug anything else as well you know maybe maybe you've had like a really amazing report last week week from a mental health commission that you just want to mention quickly or something like that I don't know
3: Cheers, Dave. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, Yes, so very much on this, I would say please just get involved. It is open to you, literally to all of you. We want to hear from you and your story can help you, but it can also help us to understand things and I think will help all of us to feel some collective understanding and experience in such a crazy year. Um, And yes, I would just briefly say in terms of uh, last week, we did launch a big report um, from our Commission for Equality and Mental Health, um, focusing on mental health inequalities. And um, as a result of that, we're asking people to share the report, but also to get in touch with their MP, um, because these inequalities are completely unjust. um, and We're just not willing to to live with them anymore. And so we're asking for, we're calling for change. Um, So please do check our website for that as well. And we'll tweet that as well. What we do, yeah. Thank
1: you. yeah. Yep, Nikki, that's
0: that's a message to you. Put put the link out there. <laughs> yeah, get it out. <laughs> we'll talk again in a few days. And then um, Liz, any last minute uh, last comments from yourself?
2: Anything? Yeah, I would say what Thea said. Get involved. Um, one thing we haven't said, I think, is that you don't have to put your name on it. You do need to put your name on to give consent, but that can be completely confidential. And you can write anonymously or under a different name um, or whatever you want to do. So, you know, it's not like you have to put yourself on the line to people you know. Use it as an opportunity. Um, Enjoy it. Enjoy the process. But do it because um, I found it really helpful. And I know looking through other people's submissions, they have as well. Mm. Um, So I really would encourage people to get involved.
0: Yeah, that's great. Thank you. And um, Dave, any final comments from you before I wrap up
1: for tonight? I'd just say, Liz, thanks for your advice on how I can put my kind of thoughts to to commit them to paper. Uh, And and just as you're speaking, you know, obviously you've got a skill there because, you know, you're talking about that, you know, remembering tastes and things. Uh, and one of the big things for me, and, and maybe this shows my, my kind of COVID pr- uh, privilege, you know, recovery. Uh, one of the big things for, for for me was how Vimto didn't taste like a Vimto anymore, and that was so distressing because I do love a nice drink of Vimto. So uh, I, I think I might hook that into my writing, and uh, you know, see if I can I can send something in over the next few weeks. So uh, Liz, you. you know, thank you, thank you to you for that.
0: Yeah, and I I definitely will as well. And, you know, I'll encourage, um, you know, mental health nurses as well, I think. And, you know, we'll put something on with your mental health nurses later and try and... Because I think it's really important and that, for me, is something that we, you know, we can hopefully take forward. But I think it's been brilliant, you know. I mean, it's really great to hear that this has been happening. And, you know, I'm looking forward to, um, you know, to reading the analysis as well later when that's done. But I, I definitely will submit something myself as well and um you know keep an eye on kind of what's happening with it and it's been great having you both on you've been brilliant guests and as Dave says I think um you've kind of really encouraging and inspired us so thank you both and um and we'll leave it there for tonight so if you're watching we'll keep an eye on the social media feed as we generally do and um hopefully we've um, covered everyone's questions but if we haven't we
2: will pick
0: those up later and thank you for listening and good night from us
2: good night